do my best. Always? <laughs> Welcome to Geeks Without God with Molly Glover, Nick Glover, and Tim Wick. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We don't recognize moral authority. We don't accept divine superiority. We're geeks, geeks without God. This week on Geeks Without God, our guests are Scott Homan and James Zimmerman from the new documentary Witness Underground about underground music in the Jehovah's Witness community. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, geeks without God. Welcome to Geeks Without God. I'm your host, Molly Glover, joined as always by my co-hosts, Nick Glover. Hey, hey. And Tim Witt. Greetings, fellow travelers. And today we are joined by two very special guests for our 600th episode. What? We have returning friend of the show, James Zimmerman. Hello. <laughs> and new friend of the show, Scott Holman. Hello there. And so these two, uh, we have them on because they have made uh, together. Uh, Scott is, is a director and I think editor, too, of uh, Witness Underground, a documentary right. about people leaving uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses uh, beyond the church. But the actual the, the, I mean, when you leave, as we know, when we talk to James before, you leave the whole community. It is a it is a very dramatic thing in one's life. And so this documentary is it's great. And we've all watched it. We're going to talk about it and get you excited. So you go watch it, too. <laughs> Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. It's great to be back. Yes. Yeah, we, uh, James, you were a very early. You were episode sixty-seven for Deliverance at Hand. Uh, so it's been, which is the book you wrote about leaving the witness. It is, yeah, and that's already about ten years old now. So yeah, it's been a while. Fantastic. We're all still here. That's awesome. Yeah. So uh, we we talked briefly before we started. We know that you're both ex Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, but Scott, how did you and James meet? I was running a series on YouTube that was sort of exploring the topic that the film really gets into. And one of the people I interviewed is a lifelong friend of James. And I was making an episode about a music video and about cannibalism that they had made as witnesses. And it was just like a little weird thing I was diving into. And he's like, you got to get this guy, James. He was the camera guy on that. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Maybe I'll interview him. And then we started, we had a conversation and then we did a crowdfund and James's book was a part of the crowdfund. And we've then he eventually gave me footage for the book, for the movie, like a background archival footage, a lot of footage. That yeah, made there was a in, ton. A documentary. Yeah, there yeah. was a ton of archival footage in this. That was all. That was all from you, James. Uh, almost all of it. I would say more than ninety percent of it. Yeah. Wow. Uh, you know, most of the people, as you see in the documentary, Scott's interviewing were musicians, and I am not. But I would often, I often brought my camera and made music videos or f made concert footage of what they. Um, we're performing. And so that, of course, came as a good aid to Scott. So and having done that so much, I was comfortable being in Scott's documentary because yeah. I've been on both sides of the camera so much. So I was like, yeah, I'll, th I'll throw in my my talent, even though it's not musically related. Yeah, I think you're being unfair to yourself, though, James, because I, I recall in at least some of that archival footage that I saw you playing a stool. So, <laughs> yeah, there was like a maraca or a shaker sitting on top of the stool. And Ryan actually, Ryan Sutter, one of the musicians interviewed in the documentary, he had to point to the stool right before it was time for me to hit it because my timing, was, at least back then, was so bad. That's amazing. Well, it, it seems like, you know, in, in the documentary, um, something that kind of seems to, to happen uh, somewhat organically is a sort of a an artist's commune like a like an ad hoc artist's commune within 
these these you know younger people that are in the this the church kind of because they you know yes it's largely centered around musicians and 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 music but they there's a lot of talk about video and about short films short films and and that sort of thing it just seeing that archival footage reminded me so much of friends of ours who are very much not Jehovah's Witnesses, who are very much, um, you know, counterculture. When you're a dumb teenager, that's what yeah. you do. <laughs> or like I, I lived in, I lived in a bunch of different punk houses for a while and it was kind of familiar to that. For, oh, yeah. Which is weird because that's not something I would ever anticipate or or guess would, would be the case with Jehovah's Witnesses. I definitely have this like preconceived notion in my mind that doesn't include that. Yeah. Yeah. Is that part of what made you, Scott, made you decide that the focus of the documentary should be the music and Nuclear Gopher and, and the collective that, that really you know, spawned all that? There's a, quite a few factors that go into that. One of them was that I was also involved in a similar thing at around the same time. And it was a huge discovery for me, like, oh, there's other witnesses doing art and music and filmmaking like I was doing, but I was sort of alone in that. Then I started uh-huh. meeting other witnesses that did it. And eventually through those people I met, the, I met someone who's like, Hey, there's a website for this called nucleargopher.com. Uh-huh. I was like, there's other witnesses doing this on that scale. That's crazy. And then I met them and I ended up moving to the city. So I get to know all those people in the film as I was sort of like ending my band, my second band. And I'd like sold a lot of my gear and I was like, not involved in filmmaking as much, but I like moved that city and I was like, there's this, all these people I totally get. This is so cool. I didn't realize there was cool Jehovah's Witnesses. I was <laughs> trying so hard <laughs> to keep it all together. Where um, did you, where were you living at the time? Like, where did you grow up? I grew up in Northern Wisconsin. So not so far away. Like we, yeah. it's four hours to Minneapolis and we considered that like the, our city oh, sure. yeah, <laughs> Four hour road trip. <clears throat> yeah. That's fantastic. So uh, you talked about, uh, you know, these were, you know, your close friend, uh, James. Are you friends with everybody still like in that doc? I know you were friends when you were younger. The other the other ex-witnesses that were part of Nuclear Gopher. Are you still did you guys stay friends after everyone started leaving the church in the early aughts, mid aughts? Did you guys are you still friends now? It's been a long time. Yeah, if you're well, if you're asking me, I would say that they're all my friends. Some some of them I don't see as much as I would like to because, you know, everyone's busy, kids, house, job, right, school, whatever, what have you. So some of them, they're not in my day-to-day life, but yeah, we definitely reconnected after we left. And some of them, like, well, Ryan Sutter, I would still consider one of my best friends. He and I uh, do get together a few times a year still. There are still some people who were involved with Nuclear Gopher and making music and other forms of art who are still Jehovah's Witnesses. And of course, oh, really? neither me nor Scott are friends with them because they won't have yeah. anything to do with us. So. Do you know? I mean, have you heard? Do you hear? Like, so how much do you hear about the people who are still in the church? This is a question for either of you. Uh, the people that you knew that have stayed uh in in the witnesses do you do you have any do you hear about them through the grapevine do you are you just kind of do you see them on facebook are they even allowed to be on facebook uh i can think of one particular friend who was in a couple bands and recorded music with nuclear gopher and even was in a band with one of ryan's siblings for a while he's uh he and his wife and daughters are all jehovah's witnesses he had uh, um, a freelance uh, photography business for a while, like doing graduate graduation photos, you know, wedding photos, that sort of thing. Sure. Um, I know about where he lives, and I've even bumped into him accidentally a couple times, but he will just look the other way. I was actually walking oh, wow. my kid at a park when my kid was little. He's 
an adult now, but we were at a park and I saw him and I waved to him and he had nothing to do with me. Another time I was sitting at a cafe uh, on a laptop working on a school project for college and he came in with his wife and some others because they were uh, taking a break from their door-to-door activity that witnesses do and none of them talked to me at all actually as he was what everyone else walked out he was the last one to walk out the door and it was cold so he was like buttoning up his his overcoat and he like stopped at the door right by me and i like was too nervous to look over at him and i thought i know he's I know he's going to shun me and I don't want to make things any more awkward because I really love him, even though I'm mad at him for shunning me. I know why he does it because I did it too when I was younger. So I just like pretended I was laser focused on my laptop on the paper I was writing. And I, he walked out and I I watched him walk, go away in the car. But so, yeah, I I know about him and he's doing good as far as a family man and, you know, providing for his family, but he's still in the, (sighs) the church. So that's too bad. Yeah, Scott, what about you? Do you are you in contact with people from home and and are you, is your family still in the church? Obviously you're behind the cameras and we don't really see a lot, you know, about you in this documentary. I have 17 family members who are involved in the religion and there's been a complete cutoff since it was 15 years ago that I left and it's the last 12, 13, there's been zero contact with them, except for a couple of times when I like forced a conversation, like I drove across the continent or flew to America <laughs> from wherever I was living. And I was yeah. like, all right, I'm going to go say hi to my parents and like make a, <laughs> uh, say hi, like yeah. a normal person would do. And um, I've had those, those conversations were interesting and shocking and sad and emotional and um, 40 minutes long and then get the hell off my property type language. Ooh. Like you're not welcome here. Yeah. So the few times I've done that, it's it's always becomes like a religious like thing they have to do to show their I don't know hatred towards anyone who left or anger or I mean they're kind of they're in a way they're like they're the real victims here because they're they're both trapped mentally but also socially like they lose something if they get caught talking to their own family members like they could be treated like they're treating us and so like they know yeah. that so like okay we have to put a hard line and make this person know they're not welcome. Because that's a, a ticket into paradise and B, like make sure that no one will think that they're on my side or would like would be caught dead, you know, they wouldn't be caught dead saying nice things to their own son or brother. So um, but yeah, when it comes to social media, there was a time where they would do public discourses at church saying, um, you can't have Facebook or MySpace. Sure. But then but now they have like huge international global groups and their entire religion lives on the internet and they're basically a televangelist religion now where like the leaders are celebrities. <laughs> so it's like all Ugh. the things that they railed against last century are now like their their mainstay. It's like what makes them what they are. Um, but yeah, so they all have Facebooks. I don't spend any time snooping on them. Yeah. They yeah. might do that to me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I imagine that there's I feel like, you know, if someone leaves the church and you you get a chance to talk to them or to to catch up or or you know acknowledge hey you left i also had left welcome to not being a part of that now like i feel like the first thing you know after congratulating them and consoling them cuz there's going to be like a feeling of loss right yeah. and all that i feel like the next thing i want is like to dish I want I would like 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 what are all the things that I haven't been hearing you've been on the inside oh. <laughs> let me know like, but they're not going to tell absolutely. you absolutely that's the thing yeah. I mean that's no, if, yeah. if they're out if they're out they'll tell you yeah you know? yeah yeah it's like um, that that, the, that kind of situation is amazing when someone reaches back out after years it used to happen like every year or two for me but now it's been so long like 
few fewer and fewer people are leaving or remembering that I existed um, who do leave. Um, but it, it is amazing when you meet someone like that. And some of my people that I keep in touch with and I see every couple of years are like former, also former witnesses who's reconnected on the outside and we have a great relationship. That's great. Well, yeah, and I saw that in the documentary. It happened was it with you and was it Ryan James? I I'm terrible remembering, but but the mm-hmm. that you were actually the one that got Ryan to realize that he yeah. didn't believe anymore. And then it was a few years before you left the church, and so there was that reconnect that happened after after you left because yeah. you were in that same situation that we just talked about, where you had to shun him, uh, even though he had been your friend, and that then then reaching out to him later and going, you know, I'd been reading what you were saying. Uh, I I thought that was, that was really fascinating. I think the other thing that's really interesting in in that same vein and and what this documentary shows with atheists, we talk a lot about community and um, how we don't really have a community. And, and I think Jehovah's witness is what it does is it creates this sense of almost an oppressive community. When I look at it from the outside and I'm not sure if it feels that way from the inside and, and to leave that community means you don't have anything. And then there was that, that music community that formed within um, the, the Jehovah's witness community that, that itself was, you know, sort of a counterculture community. And then as you left, you found each other again and were able to use that to, to, to re to, to refine a community that you'd lost. And I thought that was a really nice narrative that, that, that goes through the film that, um, that reminds us that community is, is really what church I think brings because I don't feel that's it brings hook, truth. Right. That's, yeah. I mean, that's the hook. Yeah. That's the, that's the part that brings you back. It's the part that keeps you, even when you're starting to have questions, it's the, why would you hurt these people who, love you, you know, that are all here yeah. for you. If you question what they believe, you're saying, are you saying they're stupid and they're liars? Like that's, yeah. Yeah, I totally agree, Tim and Molly, that that's what they do really well is create a community for people. And I think that's why that's what they dangle in front of you. If you threaten to leave, like as you saw in the documentary, it's not like, for example, it's not like Ryan was fretting about, oh, no, they're not going to let me go door to door anymore or they're not going to let me read their magazines anymore. What he was worried mm-hmm. about was, how's my dad going to react to this? What's going to happen to my marriage? I have to tell yeah. my 10 year old son, like I'm worried about, you know, and I have I have siblings and other relatives who are witnesses. I'm worried about how they're going to treat me, you know, because yeah. that, that was the only good thing you know <laughs> so how so in a lot of the we saw some footage of some weddings it looked like at first i was like oh they're going to prom and i'm like oh my god no they're probably getting married they are very young how what is the how old are you when you're encouraged to get married in 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 the church at the time i realized this would have been you know in the 90s and such but you guys are all about our age uh and so i could tell from the dates on the footage about how old everybody was and yeah. Yeah, it seemed like you were just babies. Yeah, the the wedding footage that Scott uses as kind of bookending the film, that's at Ryan's first wedding. Um, and he was 19 at the time, and I believe the woman he married was 20. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was one of his groomsmen. I was 17 at the time, so I, if I looked young, <laughs> I was young. They yeah. don't... I would... They don't technically encourage you to get married they just say they actually say hey if you cannot stay married so that you can give more attention to the church instead of getting distracted by a significant oh. other or the children that might possibly come from that then great but they will also say but 
There's also the rule that you cannot have sex with anyone unless you're married right. to that person. Right. So if you find yourself attracted to someone in the church, I mean, basically saying, will you go out with me is akin to saying, I'm really considering marrying you because yeah. you're attracted to them. It's only going to grow, assuming that that first date goes well. So when someone is 16, 17 years old, their uh, their hormones are raging. They're attracted to um other, you know, other people, and uh, they start going out on <laughs> dates. And I mean, I, I basically, I mean, like, what what else could Ryan do? He found himself in love with this lady. What could she do? She was in love with Ryan, right? Um, yeah. I was. I married at the age of twenty one to a woman who was also twenty one. So we were likewise young. My sister yeah. uh, was married at eighteen, and she was uh, same age that my mom was when my mom married my dad. So yeah, a lot of young yeah. weddings. Scott, what about you? To to frame that. What I recall from my youth in that culture is that um, he mentioned all these ages that ended at 21 for people dating and getting married. Yeah. And and I remember people at 23 saying like, oh, like I have no hope. It's like there's no possibility for me to get married because there's so much churn and like all of your siblings and everyone and siblings, all the peers um, doing all of that, all that raging hormones and then people getting married quick. I mean, you kind of you're kind of left with sort of the leftovers in a way of thinking yeah. about it within that culture on a multi-state wide region because you might know people for 500 miles in every direction because you ever you all get together at regional conventions every summer mm-hmm. three mm-hmm. times a year and like that's the entire dating pool that's possible for you and if you're 23 and you're not married you sort of like missed the entire thing of like the eight years of marriage window and people of course still get married but then it's also really common to see like an older sister who's, you know, past childbearing age and um, has been a full-time door-to-door preacher and is, you know, basically like married to Jesus in her mind and waiting for the end of the world to come and, you know, keeping it, you know, that, that's the other option if, if you miss the window. Once you're in paradise, you won't mind that you're alone because <laughs> right? it'll be paradise. Oh, and yeah. 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 That's, oh man, there's, there's a part uh, in, in this when, we're going over like the the bookshelf, right? There's a specific book that gets pointed out, and it's like that's the book that converted my parents. Someone says like that's the book that 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 convinced them to to join up. And I just like I, I realize you know I'm I'm coming from like an, an atheist perspective here and everything, but like I just can't imagine pointing to a single you know fairly small low budget published <laughs> book and saying like ah yes this 75 page tome is what convinced convinced me to join this cult like, yes this, he this is, where the argument, this is the winning argument right yeah here. he was pointing out the book called the truth that leads to eternal life which the jehovah's witnesses started publishing in their i want to say 1963 it was mm-hmm. the early 60s i don't remember the exact mm-hmm. year um, and it's, I, can, I know it's 192 pages, so it's not a tome by any any <laughs> stretch. And it is the most widely disseminated publication that they've ever made. In fact, for a few years, it was even in the Guinness Book as the most widely disseminated via volunteer. Um, obviously, other books have been better sellers, but this book never really sold because it was right. given voluntarily. So they're saying excluding like the Bible that people pass out at school campuses. This is the most widely disseminated volunt- uh, book. So, yeah, it, it, was, also, uh, it was a pretty big deal among the witnesses. They've since updated it with newer publications. but It also shows up in The God Delusion by Dawkins. And oh, what's yeah. an interesting thing for a lot of us in the movie is that we were all pretty well read and interested in physics and science and 
um, there was sort of like, I don't even know if this became a norm, but anytime the, the Awake, which is one of their magazine publications that we had to read, um, would quote a scientist or a physicist, we'd be like, well, we can probably read that author. And that became this like open door to go read all these authors. Yeah. We, we read Godelusion, we were passing around and discussing it. And that book, The Truth, no, it's not that book. It's the other book we show in the film is in uh, The God Delusion. I was totally wrong, James. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, but yeah, it, and that that was interesting because Dawkins says like six different people have sent me a copy of this book. And so I felt like I had to talk about it. <laughs> and he destroyed, he just totally destroys their argument in, in one chapter. And it was like, like, oh, he's talking about us right now. Like that's yeah. so, he's like speaking right to me. I need to hear this. What is he saying? Well, I know that you, there's the part in the, mo- in the movie, in the documentary where you talk about, uh, you know, finding out that they misquote, that they not misquoted, but that they cherry picked a very specific sentence from uh, Darwin's uh, theory of evolution just to make it like, see, even Darwin says that it's not, po- that it's not possible, guys. The eye is too complicated. It couldn't have evolved. See, he said, so don't worry about it. Case closed. And then you go on to read the rest of the paragraph that's like, but despite all that, it did happen. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, Oh, that's convenient. What convenient yeah. ending. Yeah. I feel like the more of that that gets, we're not, that's, I mean, we've talked to, I mean, at this point, probably hundreds of people who were raised in one sect of Christianity or another. And for pretty much everyone who has then left that, you know, religion, the first thing that happened was they were young and they had a question and the question was answered with, you're not supposed to ask that or how dare you question that. You don't need to worry about that. And then it's like, well, that's not an answer, you know, and that really, I think, is the first that first thing that starts to pull the thread, you know, when you start to realize that, well, they why won't they answer this? Adults are only cagey when they're hiding something. So what's (laughs) what are they hiding? Because kids know. I mean, they really you figure it out after a while. Was there anything was there anything that you filmed or was there anything that you wish that you could have included either uh, from James as somebody being interviewed or Scott as, you know, a director, obviously you're going to have to leave things on the cutting room floor with, if you could have your, you know, expanded cut with something that you wish had made it in, what would it be? For me, I really wanted to, cause the documentary, I really wanted to get the full picture. And so this film witness underground, it, it only interviews people who've left the religion and that music scene Mm-hmm. And um, we demonstrate shunning, and that's like the main point. But, and, and I guess the characters, the five people we have, um, James included, were able to discuss that topic from five different perspectives, and including the perspective of being a Jehovah's Witness and the perspective of leaving the Jehovah's Witnesses. So, in a way, we get this bigger picture because they, they all five people were like 10 people in a sense, because they yeah. had this big transitional moment in their lives where they have a, now have a different life perspective. And um, there were some really pivotal points that the film discusses but i would have loved to have shown the people that are still in their religion and have their perspective on it and i hope that someday they get to um say what they they want on the topic of the music and the religion and those maybe even those heavy points that we really hit on in the movie or this yeah. is a second film just kind of waiting to happen you know? <laughs> games what about you uh, i don't know if this came across from me in the documentary but i wanted to show that you know, if you'd asked me when I was 20, I would have said, oh, this community we have with Nuclear Gopher of making these artistic things, whether it's films or music, uh, it's cool. It's a fun thing to do. I'm glad I got my friends here in the religion. But then when I looked back on it when I was 40, twice the age, I was like, oh, that was really life-saving, you know, because I realized that it was crappy being a witness. and It was very stressful and frustrating. So it was good that I had that for a creative outlet and that I was able to support my other friends who were so creative and that we could 
um, just relax a little bit. Like, it's okay to not always be going door to door and wearing a suit and tie and following all these strict rules. We can make a fun music video. It doesn't mean that we are going to burn in the fires of hell or that we are un unworthy of our friends and family's love. So I hope that that came across in the documentary. I wish that I would have like spelled it out a little bit more. <laughs> maybe, maybe I did and Scott cut it out because he was like, this is too sappy. But you know, the older I got, I realized that uh, it was very important. For what it's worth, I really think that came through. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. I really Thank do. You. I really do. Cool. Awesome. I think um, one of the things that I found really, I, I guess, even unexpected, speaking as somebody looking at at a position of, of shunning, which to me is just like, it, it's, I can't imagine telling my family to go away simply because they believe something different now. Um, and yet Ryan near the end of the film, he talks about with an amazing generosity about the people who had been his friends in the witnesses that were still witnesses uh, about how he couldn't really be angry at them, that, that he, that that if he was still in the religion, he'd be doing the same thing, and he'd be doing it from a from a a position of love. And even though, as I look at it, and it's not love, it's it is I think for me an absolute wrong. I I think that when you when you come from that and and trying to understand it from his perspective to understand what what people within that cult that religion believe and how they're taught and how what they're doing to them is not a terrible thing. And, and, and again, I thought there was an amazing amount of generosity in the way he talked about uh, people still within that religion who had been his friends and even did what sounded like the most horrible emotional manipulation at his brother's funeral. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you follow the, Technology. I know that the editing maybe moves around a little bit, but Ryan left the religion, and then two years later, I left. And during that two years, mm -hmm. his brother passed away, and there was the funeral. So at the funeral, Ryan was no longer a witness, but I was. And you and were at the funeral, I'm sure. I was, yes. And I and I also brought to the funeral my eight, nine-week-old son. I was a brand-new father, and it was uh, traumatic. That birth was a traumatic experience for my wife. So, And then just dealing with an infant, even if everything goes wonderful, exhaustion is, is and exhausting. Yeah. Are you expected so, to still do, like, door-knocking and things when you have... Oh, yeah. We brought him in a car, and, yeah, it was a lot of work. And, um, yeah, so, anyway, we that like, those are the... Those are the sort of the pillars that were falling besides the questions I was having related to history and science that the Watchtower organization wasn't holding up. I saw how Ryan's stepmother, especially, but how others also treated him at the funeral. And I thought, these are this is not like, I, I mean, if there is a God, this is not like representing the mm -hmm. God of love that I was always taught that there was, you know. And then you mm -hmm. compound that with the, the frustrating, exhausting realities of being a new father and dealing with the fallout of a difficult birth, you know, then it's like, oh my God, this life is not what I thought. When Now that I'm 30, when I was 20, I, I don't know, I'm like thinking of things a lot differently now, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess, uh, how do you both, or each, I guess, how do you identify now? When someone asks you, you know, do you, or do you identify as atheists, as agnostics, as just unbothered ex-witnesses <laughs> yeah ex-witnesses mm -hmm. a really big question identity and it comes up a lot mm -hmm. um i don't i mean for a while it was day one it was like oh i'm an atheist oh wow i'm in mm -hmm. a room filled with cult members who i think are absolutely crazy and i don't relate to them at all like i need to leave <laughs> like it was just instantaneous <laughs> um once i realized that 
like God wasn't real and that it was like an imaginary friend. Um, so I, I really identified with atheism and I read a ton of books from openly atheist authors and was like very into it. And I wrote and posted publicly on the topic, which created lots of fun conversations and experiences. <laughs> um, but it really helped shaped, um, shaping, shaped me and it cleaned the slate in a way like all supernatural stuff is not real was like mm -hmm. a great starting point for me. And also a lot of people um, that leave this religion share that. Not everybody, of course. Um, of course. But then uh, over time, I've, I've like, identity is interesting. So like ex-witness was something I didn't want to be associated with. But Absolutely. then when I started making this project, that became like, oh, there's other people like, like I wonder if there's anyone on the internet who's, who's also left this religion. Yeah. Like, oh my God, there's like hundreds of thousands of people in different, you know, if you add all the groups up on the internet on Facebook and Reddit and other places. And um, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm a part of that. But then I look into it and it's like, okay, well, there's a lot of different kinds of ex-witnesses and yeah. uh, it's not exactly a healthy place. Um, it's filled <laughs> with people that are going through a lot of trauma and spilling it out on the page. Um, and, you know, just like any other groups, there's like disagreements and uh, yeah. it's not really yeah. a, a cohesive land of, of thought. But as far as now, I think like humanism just keeps on being the thing that really works for me. Like I, it's maybe like my guiding light. Like, well, how would I want, how would I want the ideal human? Like what are future humans? Like if, yeah. if we have a more ideal society. Absolutely. That's very cool. Uh, James, what about you? Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of labels, so I am fine with that. I, I agree with Scott that there's a lot of XJW communities that I don't want to be associated with, but I don't think there's any denying that I am an ex-Jehovah's Witness. I don't want that chiseled on my tombstone one day. I hope I'm known for other <laughs> things, but it's true. And I am also definitely an atheist. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I know that it's one of those things that can be identity is absolutely fluid and changes as we grow. You know, if it doesn't, then I think we're doing it wrong. You know, you don't want to you're not the person you were at 17, even if you still ha hold all the same beliefs. Right. You, mm -hmm. you, still, you shouldn't be the person you were at 17. Yeah. I, I imagine watching all this old footage and talking about all these old stories really, you know, must have really made that feel even more solid to you, you know, seeing this who you were back then. Uh, until you are now. If, if you don't look back and cringe a little bit, maybe you haven't grown enough. <laughs> I do. I cringe. Yeah. No, I not. cringed at a lot of the footage I saw. The only thing I didn't cringe was I was like, oh, man, I wish I had that youth back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's that guy? He's yeah. good looking. Like, yeah. I always think I wish I wish I looked the way I did when I when I thought that I looked so terrible, you know, like back yeah. when I was like, yeah. oh, I'm so, oh, I look so terrible. And I'm like, who's she? She's yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, fantastic. A good point about waking yeah. up or that language of waking up like definitely yeah. the film is about one of those powerful moments that you can have in life and but you made a point that you should keep on doing that like if you're not updating your model all the time or your your operating system to be something <laughs> different i mean it's not ideal to be shocked the way we were to have that ripped out or rip it out ourselves or deprogram or be deprogrammed but at the same time, like people use that language in such a negative way, like wake up sheeple is like a yeah, common thing yeah. you see in, <laughs> in Twitter comments or something. But like it should be an ongoing process. Like you, you're probably wrong right now about yeah. the way the there's, world works. And there's at least something probably, you're wrong about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, be open minded to the fact that you maybe should update yourself. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, so the film is Witness Underground. Uh, I know you can rent it or buy it on Vimeo. Are there other places people can access or see it? 
that is the main place right now. We are right. just about to pull the trigger. We just did a big Kickstarter launch that gets us funding to get it distributed. So it should be available soon, but Vimeo is the one place right now. So yeah, if, you, I, if you support us there, it like helps. It goes right directly to the project without yeah. anything. If you watch it, it later, it's like I might get some residual pennies. <laughs> I uh, highly recommend everybody listening to this. Go watch it. It's really, really great. Also, if you're in the Twin Cities, lots of awesome footage from like Twin Cities locations. Oh, yeah. And I, every so many things. There's a song called uh, uh, CC Clubbing Seals. And I was like, oh, CC Club. And then later they show that uh, Chad works there and or, it, or was at the time. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, shit. And Nick's like, I knew that guy looked familiar. <laughs> it was great uh, again James Zimmerman Scott Holman thank you so much we're going to move on to five questions five questions uh, James it's been so long since you were on the show that we have new five questions for you to answer and Scott it's your first time so we're going to ask these questions and y'all read your answers there's no like order if you ha- have to go and just you guys just answer them as we go so let's start it off Nick question one uh, what's a game you've played recently that you really enjoyed that could be video board card I don't know, hide and seek with a child, whatever. Where I'm living is a arcade with a 1970s arcade games. And there's a 2000 era gauntlet dark legacy. Oh, nice. So much fun. It's it's like a hack and slash game. I really enjoy it. No, I know gauntlet. Gauntlet's a great game. Yeah. Nice. Yo, yo. Yeah. That's great. (laughs) I just moments before I joined this podcast tonight, I was playing Blockus. B-L-O-K-U-S with mm-hmm. my daughter and two of my fiance's kids. And it is quick to learn, quick to understand. And I think if a kid as young as probably four all the way up to older than me can enjoy it. And it's like takes 10, 15 minutes. So even if you don't like it, it's over soon. But it's a lot of fun. It's <laughs> a lot of brain brain use. So it's a good game. Yeah, we played a lot of that game that. when my kids were younger. So yeah. yeah. Oh, sure. Totally yeah. understand. Yeah. All right. We have two copies of Blockus in our house right now because we saw a newer version with a smaller box. We gave the old one away. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, there's right. Blockus and there's Travel Blockus. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Ooh. No. All right, yeah. Tim, question two. Question number two. What is a science factor discovery you think is really fucking cool? One that I have been, I love to dive into is archaeology. There's um, hum- discoveries of human um, humans in North America going back 16,000, 25,000, and most recently 120,000 years. Mm. That's nuts. That's, that's nuts. That's, that's weird. I just that's, saw something. That's yeah, more than 6,000. Found- it's how I. I okay. <laughs> At some point in the last year, uh, Science Focus magazine reported that wearing a necktie can reduce blood flow to your head by something like 7%. Uh, wow. This can contribute to glaucoma, headaches, dizziness, nausea, and trouble concentrating. Uh, Jehovah's Witness men are forced to wear a necktie when they're doing any sort of religious <laughs> duties. So I now I understand like why people were falling for it. I also understand why politicians act the way they do, at least the male mm. politicians mm-hmm. do. So, yeah. Mm. That's amazing. That That's says great. a lot. It really does. Hmm. All right. Question three. Uh, where do you get your sense of right and wrong from since we're assuming it isn't religion? Or maybe that's where it came from and you still feel those values. Either one. There's no wrong answer here. For me, I, I've learned ways of looking within and like communicating with my subconscious self. And hmm. a lot of that comes from um, Sam Harris's um, spiritual atheism, quote unquote. Um, and I don't like the word spiritual, but that whole world that he dives into Eastern thought and, and uses meditative practices to kind of explore like who you are and what's that voice that might chatter at you sometimes. I've really yeah. 
gotten a lot from that. Nice. Philosophical in- introspection isn't owned by religion. Anyone can. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, absolutely. James, what about you? I just reached straight for my daughter's magic eight ball. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I think, you know, I mean, if you want to get like historical about it, it's anchored in biology and it's been further developed by human reason that's evolved. Um, but I think I, I read someplace a list of questions. I could not find them in preparation for this podcast, but among them were what causes the least harm? How would I like mm-hmm. to be treated in this instance? These are things that help you decide to not mug people or to not be a chronic liar or thief. Yeah. You know? so, yeah. yeah I, I want to as much. Ugh, I think it was Ricky Gervais. But someone said, I, I actually rape the exact amount that I want to, which is zero. Oh, so, oh my God. Yes. That's what he's yeah. like. What yeah. keeps you from raping people? It's like, well, I already do. The, it's, 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 I, I, me, me keeps me <laughs> from doing the horrible thing. Uh, what keeps you from doing it? Now I'm a little yeah, That reminds me of a meme that said something like, I think that slavery and rape and child abuse are always wrong. And just like that, I'm better than the God of the Bible. Yeah. (laughs) Nick, question four. uh, If you could build a robot to perfectly perform one chore or task for the rest of your life, what would you have your robot do? I want it to organize my life to add calendar updates for all of my hours. Yeah. Like a, like a, like a personal assistant, like a gal Friday kind of a thing. Yeah, that's yeah. a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be Hal great. Hal Friday. <laughs> I know a lot of people love it, and I would like it if I did too, but I am just not good at cooking. It's very stressful. Mm. I My food goes bad, or I don't do it just right, and when I do get a meal done, I will put the first forkful in my mouth. I'm like, oh, shoot, the beans don't taste right, <laughs> or my kids will complain that something didn't turn out. So I would love to give that task to some autonomous yeah. robot for the rest of time. Yeah, I get it. I, I, I'm good at cooking. It's just I want to be done. Right, yeah. you know, uh, so I get I'm it. Doing. It's like our bio- biology limits. Yeah, I yeah. also don't uh, want to be stuck having to be having to figure out food again. So yeah, soon, we'll, soon, I'm assured by pretty much all science fiction that soon we will have some sort of maker that I can just like tell it what it should make me, and the food will be there. So yes, yeah, that'd be uh, great. That's, that's something I believe in. All right, Tim, yeah. wrap it up. Wrap it up. All right, question number five. What uh, we're going to allow uh, Witness Underground already, and just say what is a movie <laughs> or TV show you think everyone should watch? Yeah, we both agree that it, that's the answer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I, I like to I put down Handmaid's Tale because I felt mm. like it was the first time that the story that I grew up with with the, with this religion was shown in a way on TV to show <laughs> what does a theocracy look like if you add religion or you use religion in place of government or mix yeah. them that's how bad it gets and that's what they want and that's what they're teaching like don't we need to cut that out cut out religion from that was like the most genius thing about the United States yep Let's erase it that, not add God book. to the the mix that book blew my little 14 year old me i read that book and i was like all right never (laughs) i'm gonna be like strong yeah yeah what about you what's something you think everyone should watch um my partner and i are about 30 episodes into the 32 episode show barry with bill Hader, henry winkler and sari goldberg it's It's so good a hilarious dark comedy it's weird there's all sorts of non sequiturs and bizarre juxtaposition and the acting is really good and we lol quite frequently uh we're oh almost done with it so unless it completely tanks in the final few episodes i'm gonna give it a thumbs up and say to watch <laughs> I'm, it i'm so excited yeah. for you to watch the final two episodes oh, thank you. Yeah. So we have two <laughs> and three left yeah. <laughs> yeah. we watched it week to week uh right when it started and so it, it i am i'm envious of people who get to binge it it's it's oh, yeah. so mm-hmm. 
it's a it's a real uh like on the one hand i want to be like oh yeah it's such a great dark comedy but on the other hand like it feels like a dark drama with inc- that's done by comedians like yeah so many really really funny people in that show who are doing really really not funny things for the majority of yeah it. yeah it's, it's great I, I know that the emmy awards re- listed under their comedy like so it gets nominated for comedy awards so i'm going to call it a comedy because yeah. definitely the industry does but i agree with you that's hard to know like where to fit it genre wise so yeah. yeah uh Thank you so much, James Zimmerman, Scott Homan. Uh, the film is Witness Underground. You can find it on Vimeo and other places soon, but go to Vimeo and give the artist your actual money like directly. If there's one thing we learned in 2023, it's that y'all aren't getting paid. So let's make that <laughs> a bit different here. Uh, thank you thank so, you much. so much. This has been episode 600. Wow. wow. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations just, to you guys. That's thank awesome. You. Thank you. We've only... We've only missed one week and uh, it's it's pretty I still can't believe that when I think about it. So if you want to answer our five questions, you can send your answers to five questions at geekswithoutgod.com. If you want to say anything about uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses, if you know somebody or perhaps you yourself are an ex-witness, feel free to make a comment on our Facebook page or here on the website. Either one uh, we will absolutely would love to hear from you. And we always want to hear from people who have, you know, up. You know, really honestly, like completely uprooted their lives in such a way. It, it is incredibly brave. And so honestly, accolades to both of you and all the people in your life who have taken that plunge to do that. Uh, this has been Geeks Without God, and we're going to see you next Tuesday. Are Bye. we? Bye. Bye. Witness Underground is the name of my Jehovah's Witness Velvet Underground cover band. Is that too obvious? We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We don't recognize moral authority. We don't accept divine superiority. We're geeks. Geeks without God. Need more Geeks Without God? Go to our website, read our blog posts, find us on Facebook, or follow us on Twitter at Geeks Without God. Social media! We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, we're geeks, we're geeks without God. We're geeks, geeks without God. Yeah, the more things other people think of, the less we have to think of ourselves, and we we really (laughs) prefer that.